You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week four of a series on identity called Hello, My Name Is. And the big idea of this series is this, and here's why we have to talk about it. Because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And that's why it's so crucial that we talk about identity. Because when we know who we are, then we will know what to do. When, when, when you know who God has made you to be, then you'll know what to do with your life. And here's the truth is that all of us, every single one of us, we all wear a lot of labels. And culture and the world tries to tell us this is who you are. And maybe we like to tell ourselves like this is who we are. Or maybe there's things that we inherit along the way that no, 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 this is who you are. But in this series, here's what I'm challenging you to do is to say, okay, God, who do you say that I am? And that we're going to let the one who actually created us be the one to define us. Because that's what I believe that only the person who created us has the right to define us. In fact, if you see this in, in Psalm 139, it says this in verse 13, it says, you talking about God, David writes this, that you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And by the way, this next one is a great mirror verse. Uh, I feel like David was looking at a mirror when he said this and he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Just tell yourself that next time you, you're, you, you glance in front of a mirror, just be like, oh, thank you, God, uh, for making me so. And then he really starts to feel himself. He goes, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Like it just, he just starts feeling himself. And listen, I just decided that I'm gonna let the one who designed me define me. And so like, here's the things that we've talked about so far in this series. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to all the messages to go back and, and to listen to that on, on our podcast or on YouTube. And uh, in week one, we talked about the fact that you and I, and the most important label that should be at the very top is that, that you are a son and that you are a daughter. In week two, we talked about the fact that you are a, an ambassador, that you are created by God to be able to represent him every single place that you go. And last week, Pastor Beth shared a beautiful message on the fact that you are a masterpiece. And today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I wanna talk about the fact that God says this, that you are chosen. That's what I wanna talk about today. The fact that you are chosen. And this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, in other words, now that you know who you are, here's what you should do. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, just a little bit of context. This was written by a guy named Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples. And he was in Jesus's inner circle. And for three years, that meant that he went around doing day-to-day -day life and ministry alongside Jesus. 
And Peter is writing to a group of five churches. In fact, if you want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, you can see the names of the five churches in the areas that he's writing to. So he's writing to Christians in these five areas. And these churches at the time are facing tremendous persecution. Like they're experiencing so much hate because of their faith, because they are Christians, because they are followers of Jesus. They're experiencing at this moment, tremendous persecution. And at this time, the church was only around 30 years old and it was facing a pretty significant branding problem. In fact, in that time, followers of Jesus and Christians were known as superstitious incestuous cannibals. That was their reputation. Superstitious, incestuous cannibals. Superstitious because of all the miracles that were happening. And because of all these miracles, people thought that they were like magicians or sorcerers. Incestuous because they constantly talked about, and this was, think about it. This is only, the church is only 30 years old, so this is brand new. So they were constantly talking about loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. And then cannibals, because they would constantly participate in something called the Lord's Supper and communion, where they were actively saying that they were eating Jesus's flesh and drinking his blood. And it was in that context that Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I know it's tough right now, I know you're facing a branding problem and some pretty big persecution, but let me remind you who you are. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, the church today, thankfully, doesn't have that same branding problem, right? Like people don't typically describe Christians or the church today as superstitious, incestuous cannibals. But let's be honest, there's still a pretty significant branding problem with the church today. A lot of people will look at the church and say that the church, oh, they're, they're just full of self-righteous, fake, judgmental, intolerant hypocrites who act like they have it all together, who act like they're perfect. And let's be honest, like, and some of that is for some very good reason. And just by the way, if you are new around here, um, that's not who we are. That is not who we are at this church. We are, um, we are jacked up, messed up, broken sinners who have been saved and radically changed by the grace of God. We are in no way perfect people, but we have encountered, thank God, and been transformed by a perfect savior. And so just by the way, if you are perfect, if you're new around here and you are perfect, I promise you will not like it around here. You will not. Like this is not the church for you if you are perfect. Um, because I, I'm just gonna tell you, the people in this room, we got issues. Come on, why don't you raise your hand right now if you got issues? Come on, just put it up. Come on, don't, don't put it down. Put it way high, like way high. Just hold it up. Don't T-Rex arm that thing. Okay, put it up. Doesn't that, doesn't that make you feel better? 
Just look around. Just look around. Didn't I make you feel so much better? Who else got issues? How many of you got so many issues? Your issues got issues. Come on. I just want you to know that if over the last 30 seconds, if your hand did not go up, that is your issue. And so you can go ahead and just, how many of you are sitting next to your issue? Do not, do not, do not answer that. Bad. Okay, don't. So if you have issues, look me in the eyes. If you have issues, welcome home. Welcome home. I've said this before and I'll say it again many times. Church was never meant to be a country club for perfect people, but a hospital for the hurting and the broken. And that's what you stepped into today. Some of us just got to the ER like sooner than you and promise you were on our meds. Um, and today, in the middle of a branding problem, I believe God wants to remind us and his church today, this is who you are. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. And by the way, nobody had more moral authority to say that phrase that you are chosen more than Peter. In fact, when you look at his life, you can clearly see that Peter was chosen. And as I studied for this message, I was drawn to his story throughout scripture. And I went back and looked at his life and I discovered three like mind blowing things. And here's number one. I discovered that Jesus chose Peter before Peter followed him. I noticed that Jesus, he chose Peter before Peter followed him. Matthew four is the very first time in the Bible that, that it mentions Peter. And this is what it says in verse 18. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter. So there he is. And Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, hey, come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Jesus said to Peter here in this story, I choose you to follow me. And get this, this is before Peter did anything for Jesus. This was before he was there and helped pass out and feed the 5,000 people. He like, this was before he had the courage to at least try and walk on water when every other disciple stayed comfortably hidden in the boat. This is before he stood in front of a huge crowd in Acts chapter two and boldly preached the gospel, which led to over 3,000 people giving, getting saved and giving their life to Jesus, which ended up being the start of the church that we are still walking in today. Before any of that, Jesus said, Peter, I choose you. So Jesus chose Peter before Peter followed him. And then number two, Jesus chose Peter after Peter followed him. Not only did he choose him before, but he clearly chose him after. In Matthew chapter 16, a few chapters later, it says in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came, 
to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, he turned the question on them and said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, he answered, you're the Messiah. You are the savior, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, that's Peter, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. And he changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. In the Greek, it's the word Petra. Come on, 90s Christian. Anybody? Come on, Petra. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, upon you, I'm going to build my church. And not only that, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So after Jesus on that shore in Matthew chapter four said, hey, Peter, I choose you right here. He says to Peter, I still choose you. Like there's greatness on the inside of you, Peter. Don't you see it? It's more than you even know. Like you have a purpose. You have a calling. Like there is a reason why you are breathing right now. And I'm going to use you, Peter, to make a difference. I'm going to use you to build my church and get this. All the powers of hell won't be able to stop you. I, like I still choose you today. So Jesus, he chose Peter before Peter followed him. And Jesus chose Peter after Peter followed him. And then number three, <clears throat> Jesus chose Peter after Peter's biggest mistakes. See, when you read throughout the New Testament and you see the life of Peter, you will see that that brother made a lot of mistakes. Uh, he was a very flawed guy. He was highly emotional and opinionated impulsive. He was like an, an act first, think later type of guy. Like don't nudge anybody like, Hey, that's you. Uh, but like he was a very flawed guy, theologian, uh, the, the, theologian. I don't even know what that is. Theologian, A.W. <laughs> Tozer. He describes Peter as a bundle of contradictions and, uh, literally four verses after Jesus says, Hey, Peter, I choose you again. You are the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Um, Peter straight up tells Jesus that he's wrong and kind of like rebukes Jesus. And Jesus responds by calling him Satan. Like that happens literally four verses later. That's it. <laughs> and when Jesus was being arrested, this is what happens in John chapter 18, verse 10. It says, then Simon Peter, he drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of good old Malchus the high priest slave. Um, I heard somebody once say that, you know, Peter was either from the hood or from the woods uh, because he had a blade on him at all times. It's like, <laughs> Peter's like, don't you mess with Jesus or I will straight up cut you. Like I will shank you. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Jesus is like, Peter, will you just please stop stabbing people? Um, and then he just puts Malchus's ear back on if you read it. Um, made a lot of mistakes, but no doubt Peter's biggest mistake came in Luke chapter 22 in verse 54. Listen to, listen to what happened to Peter in this moment. 
It says, so they arrested him, him being Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter, he followed at a distance because that's what Jesus' followers do. We follow Jesus. And the guards lit a fire. And I want you to remember that detail, okay? Lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. A woman, he said, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. And no, no, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of him because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned. He looked at Peter, made eye contact with him. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. See, three different times, Peter straight up denies Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't know him. And it wrecks him. It leaves him in a hot mess. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is hands down the lowest point for Peter. It's a moment where he is flooded with guilt and shame. And not only that, this is a moment that had the potential to define him the rest of his life. And maybe you're at a place where you remember that mistake or that moment that you feel like I can't get over that. It has defined who you are. And this had the potential to define Peter the rest of his life. And then after Jesus went to the cross and he rose from the dead, he went to go see his disciples who were fishing. Like Peter went back to what he knew. And this is what it says in John 21. This is how the gospel of John describes this interaction. Starting in verse seven, it says, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, hey, it's Jesus. It's the Lord, he's alive. And when, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumping into the water and he headed to shore. I feel like that's like Forrest Gump. When he saw Lieutenant Dan, he just jumped off. So he's like, hey, and then he just jumped off. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. That's how I read the Bible sometimes. Um, and then it says this in verse nine, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for him. Jesus is a cook. And, and fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Now, no doubt, right there in that moment, seeing Jesus seeing that fire, that would remind Peter of the fire where he made his biggest mistake. It would have took him straight back there. 
Have you ever had a moment like that where you hear this song or you experience this moment and it, like, it takes you right back to where you made that big mistake? No doubt that's what Peter was feeling right there. And it probably right there, just seeing that fire, seeing Jesus, it probably triggered in him all that guilt, all that shame came flooding back. He probably experienced so much anxiety right there. Like, what is Jesus gonna do? What's he gonna say? What am I gonna experience here? Like, I wanna be here. I love Jesus, but I also am wrestling with this big mistake that I made. Like the biggest of my life. And it, like where I denied Jesus, and he's wrestling with this and he sees this fire. No doubt it triggers everything that's going on. And then they eat breakfast. And then in verse 15, it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know, I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, do you know everything? You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Then Jesus told him, just like he did at the very beginning, follow me. See, days earlier, Peter denied Jesus three times. Here, Peter recommits his love for Jesus three times. And each time Jesus says, then feed my sheep. In other words, get back to your purpose. Get back to your mission. Get back to your assignment that I've given you. Like, I'm not done with you yet. Like, I still have a plan for your life. You're still the rock that I said that you were in Matthew chapter 16. Like, I still have a plan for your life. Even after your biggest mistake, my invitation to you is the same as it was on day one. Like, follow me. And Peter, after all that, after everything that you've been through, listen, I still choose you. Like you denied me, you turned your back on me, not once, not twice, but three times. But listen, I still choose you. So Jesus chose Peter before Peter ever followed him. Jesus chose Peter after Peter followed him. And Jesus chose Peter after Peter's biggest mistake. But the question is, what does that have to do with you and me? That's cool for Peter. What about me? What about you? How does this affect us? Listen, if that was true for Peter, it is true for you. Just like Peter, number one, Jesus chooses you before you follow him. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, one, I am so thankful. We started our church just for you. We always dream of having a church where people that don't know Jesus, that don't have a relationship with them feel like, oh, I can, I can belong here. I can learn, I can grow, I can do it at my pace. Like we are so thankful that you're here. Know that you don't have to believe one thing to belong. You don't have to behave a certain way to belong. I'm so thankful that you're here. But I want you to know that if you're here and you are not a Christian, I want you to know that Jesus is looking at you right now 
And he's saying, I, I choose you. I choose you. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, you don't have to do anything for him to choose you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get your act together for him to choose you. Like right now, he's saying, I choose you. But other people may have not chosen you. But Jesus is saying, I choose you. Your dad may have walked out on your life a long time ago. But Jesus is here and he's saying, but I choose you. You may have not gotten that job or that promotion that you applied for. Maybe you got looked over and it went to somebody else. I want you to know that Jesus is saying, yeah, you experienced that, but I choose you. That you may not have made the team. You may not have gotten into the college that you wanted to get into, but Jesus says, hey, I choose you. You may have been rejected. You may have been broken up with. You may have been divorced. But Jesus is here and he's saying, I choose you. When other people don't, I do. I choose you. Jesus chooses you before you follow him. Number two, Jesus chooses you after you follow him. Maybe you're here and you are a Christian and a follower of Jesus. I'm here to remind you that Jesus still chooses you. Maybe you've been following Jesus. You've been a Christian for decades. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe your spiritual life has been on autopilot for the last decade. Let me just tell you and wake this up in your soul that he chooses you today just as much as he did on day one, the day that you gave your life to him. He still says, yeah, but I still choose you. He's still saying with as much conviction, I still choose you. Like I still have a plan for your life that just like Peter, guys, there's greatness on the inside of you more than you even know. Like you have a purpose, you have a calling, you have assignment. There's a reason why you're breathing. Like I'm gonna use you to make a difference. I'm gonna use you to build my church and get this. All the powers of hell will not be able to stop you and what I put on the inside of you. Jesus chooses you before you follow him. Jesus chooses you after you follow him. And then number three, Jesus chooses you after your biggest mistake. And this is the one that's so heavy on my heart all week long as I was preparing for this message. I could not shake this one all week long. Here's why. Because I know that many people have a very easy time receiving God's grace and forgiveness when they get saved but they have a really hard time receiving God's grace and forgiveness after they get saved. I know a lot of people that like, okay, I don't know Jesus. I am desperate for the grace of God. I can easily receive that. But then afterwards, it's like, I have a, such a hard time receiving grace because after you get saved, you feel like you should know better because like before you just didn't know. But now, after all these years of going to church, after all the sermons that you've listened to, after all the groups that you've been in, after all the times that you served on the dream team, after all the, the pages of the Bible that you've read and you still struggle with that? Well, how many of you know that that's so easy to get that rat race in your mind of thinking those things? 
And it's so easy to feel like you should just be further down the road than you are right now. And you ask questions like, why do I still struggle with the same things? Why do I still struggle with the same thoughts? Why do I still struggle with the same sin and the same addictions? Why, like, why do I keep getting pulled back into these unhealthy, destructive cycles? Like, why does it feel like every time spiritually I take one step forward, I take two steps back? And maybe you feel that because of your mistakes, that right now that God, he looks down on you in disgust. And he says, I am so mad at you. And he wants nothing to do with you. Like somehow because of your behavior after you got saved, that it's just pushed, he's just like pushing you away. Maybe you feel like you're disqualified from grace. Like somehow that God's grace only applied when you got saved, but not now. Listen. This is so important. This is the burden of my heart this week. Listen, we never graduate from grace. We never graduate from grace. You and I, we need God's grace today just as much as the first day that we received it. Like we're just as desperate, just as dependent today as we were on day one. Now, we should never take advantage of grace. Romans 6, 1 says, should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It says, by no means. So we should never take advantage of grace, but that doesn't mean that, we're, that we just don't desperately still need grace because we never graduate from grace. So if that's you, if you're like, man, I've made some massive mistakes and I feel like that's disqualified me. I feel like that's put me a million miles away from God. Hear this directly from God today. Jesus still chooses you. Even after your biggest mistake, whatever the biggest mistake that you think that you have, think of it right now. He says, I still choose you. I still choose you. Even in the middle of your biggest mistake, even in the middle of your problems, your sin, your destructive cycles, your addictions, Jesus still chooses you because you being chosen isn't based on your behavior, it's based on his character. You being chosen isn't based on what you do, it's based on who he is. So Jesus, he chooses you before you follow him, Jesus chooses you after you follow him, and Jesus still chooses you after your biggest mistake. So church, let this hit your soul today in a fresh way. You are a chosen people. You, Queen City Church, are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And God, I, I ask right now in Jesus' name, will you let that fact that we are chosen sink deep into our hearts right now? God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will silence, break, bind, and I rebuke every single lie of the enemy that would go against that fact. And right now, I pray that all of us, 
regardless of where we are in our spiritual journey, will we let it hit our hearts so deep right now that we are chosen by you. In this moment, we always try to create a space for God to speak to our hearts. And so I just wanna encourage you wherever you're at, will you right now, just with your eyes closed, will you just ask God, you say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening much later on a podcast and maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've never given him your life. You've never made the decision to receive the free gift of grace. You've never made the decision to follow him. Or maybe you have in the past, but for whatever reason, now you feel so far from God. Maybe it's because of your biggest mistake. Maybe you feel so far from God and today you just need a fresh start. You need to embrace the fact that he's saying, I still choose you. And if that's you, whether you are just, maybe you've never made that decision or right now you, you have in the past, but you just feel so far from God. I want you to hear this. He still chooses you. He chooses you right now. He's saying, I choose you. But listen, here's what's so important you still have to choose him. And we wanna give you that opportunity right now to choose Jesus, to receive grace. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna do anything to put the attention on you. All we wanna do is we wanna lead you in a prayer and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer that today, you know, I need to get right with God. I need to choose him, whether that's for the first time or it's all over again. And you know that I cannot leave this place without making that decision. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you today, I want you to boldly put your hand up in the air as a sign of surrender saying, I'm choosing you today, God. And if you're here and that's you with every eye closed, nobody looking around, It's a very intimate moment just between you and God. This is a monumental moment for some of you. And you're you're here and you're like, I I want to choose God because he's already chosen me. If you're here and that's you, whether it's for the first time, it's all over again, put your hand up in the air on the count of three. One, two, three, if that's you, just put it up high. I got you, that's awesome, it's awesome. It's awesome, it's awesome. God bless you. That's great, anybody else, anybody else? Yeah, that's awesome. God bless you. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. You can put your hands down and just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you and I need you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me and will you do what I cannot do? No matter how hard I try, will you change me and will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. And Jesus, today I give you my life And in exchange, I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And today I choose to follow you. Thank you for choosing me. Even in the middle of my mess, thank you for choosing me. You are so good. 
then it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. In church, here's the cool thing. The Bible says that when somebody gives their life to Jesus, when they choose Jesus, that heaven throws a massive party. And I want you, especially if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian. There's a handful of people that just came into the family. And will you do this? Will you clap your hands? And will you tell them how proud you are of them? How welcome that they are? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.